I'm Matt Bergman, and you are listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians Podcast, episode 267. I'm here tonight with Steven Seagal. <laughs> Is that Alex? Dancing. What's up? Uh, Alexis Schlegel. What's up, guys? And special guest, Pete Quinones. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, What's going thanks, on, man? thanks for coming on the podcast, Pete. Well, now that every now, now that everybody has to hide in their house and everything, I guess it's a lot easier than me going up to D.C. Right? Yeah, exactly. We, we've only right. been having guests like this um, until just recently, but uh, you know, it's been fun, and uh, it's of course it's opened up our, our options. Uh, where do you uh, hail from? I'm just north of Atlanta. Nice. Originally from the Bronx, New York, though. Okay. How long have you been in Atlanta the, the for? Boogie down. I've been in Atlanta 15 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I, I just did a piss poor job. Um, I guess. Uh, introducing. Introducing. <laughs> yeah. That was the word I was looking for. Thanks. Anybody can do this sober. All right. Uh, Pete is the host of Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. He's also the managing editor at libertarianinstitute.org. So, uh, Pete, how long, how long have you been doing Free Man Beyond the Wall? Started it in July of 2017. Wow. How many episodes are you guys on? Uh, I released number 401 today. Wow. Damn. Wow. Like um, Phil was just telling us that uh, you actually had Ron Paul on. Yeah, I had Ron. Uh, I released that episode on Monday. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. That's got to be like uh, the pinnacle of any libertarian podcast to be able to get Ron Paul on. He, I think that was my fifth interview with him. So yeah, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like where do you where do you go I from there? Brag, where do you go from there? Except for to just like get him on again, you know? It's like well, the pre the episode before that, I had James Corbett, and that was the first time I had ever had him on. So that was uh, that that made me real happy. Wow, that's pretty awesome. What's James Corbett up to these days? I haven't heard much from him. Oh, he's putting he puts out material every single day at this point. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I I just remember that epic uh 9/11 video he put out. That was like the most viral thing he's done. His but video yeah, I haven't been following him lately. His video that he did a few months ago called the 5G Dragnet, that is the best explanation of 5G that I've heard anyone do. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, look into that more, but you just seem like there's such such misinformation out there. Like, I'd, I'd definitely like to check him out on that. So, like, what is what is the deal with 5G? Are, are, you, are you, like, skeptical of it? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm worried about the radiation. That seems to be what the red herring is. Hmm. It's basically, I, I'm calling it Skynet. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's, it's basically going to allow... I mean, real-time spying, and it's going to connect everything. I mean, it's going to get to the point where the appliances in your house are going to be talking to it. Oh, damn. So, that see, that's the thing. It seems like everything, all the content about 5G, it's all about these, like, health hazards, and it's just it just seems so left field. But, I mean, that's kind of like, it's more of a civil liberties issue. Um, oh, yeah. just the intrusion into your homes like that. I don't think most people are focusing on. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Like if, so you said James Corbett did like a really good, um, 
Oh, yeah, like, it's it's brilliant. He talks okay. about the radiation for about two minutes in the beginning, and then he just breaks down exactly how it's going to be used to just monitor everything that you do in your life. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, everything, like everything is becoming smart, smart, everything appliances, uh, your smart meter monitoring your your electrical bills to um, virtually everything. And then all these dum-dums getting Alexa and what's the other ones in their home, Amazon home and all those like intrusion oh, yeah. into their homes. Just if you allowing got, if, it. If you have a cell phone in your home, they can listen to anything. Right. Of course. It's true, Pete, oh, but yeah, here's yeah. my point. My, my point <laughs> with the whole cell phone thing is this is what I've been railing against. Yeah. He says this every podcast. I do. Uh, is, you know, when you butt dial somebody, you know, your phone's in your pocket. You can only hear like every other word. And you, sometimes, you know, your, your, cell phones pinned against your leg and between the couch and stuff like that where now they made this thing where it's, it's designed to, to pick up the pieces that are missing like something you can hear across the room which is just blows me away like everyone has this thing in their house which is designed to hear you from room to room so i feel like this is kind of like an extension off of that like so yeah if your cell phone's sitting out they can hear you but if you got it in the other room you got it in your pants pocket you know that this is a great way for them to check in on you and i think like some of the stuff that you're seeing in China, like I don't know if you guys saw that like little mini documentary that one British reporter was yeah, doing. It's amazing. He was yeah. in Wuhan. Yeah. Like I think like that shit's already happening here. That's already happening. They just can't tell you about it because there'd be uproars ab about civil liberty. People like, well, I wouldn't say an uproar, maybe an uproar for maybe like the libertarian anarchist circles. But other than that, you know, everyone's probably cool with it these days. More and more the shit. <laughs> you know, every each passing day, everyone's more of a, a status Karen who wants to snitch on everybody and you know they don't mind it as long as they got nothing to hide right yeah it's like everyone's a karen wagner <laughs> <laughs> so yeah pete man I, I was hoping to have kyle on man kyle was supposed to come on i, I was hoping so we could have you guys could have a talk what the hell is kyle got going kyle on wagner? What, what you got going on that's so important what would i, I talk know. to him about <laughs> <laughs> So, um, he's Pete, everyone's favorite status. So, uh, Pete, Phil was telling me that you actually, uh, were into some punk rock or you are into some punk rock. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in New York and, um, I may have seen like bad brains at CBGBs and awesome bands like that fear at, uh, one of my favorite shows ever was seeing fear at the limelight. That wow. was uh, and, and meeting Lee Vang after and having so cool. a couple of drinks with them. Uh, <laughs> oh, so how long ago did you meet Lee Vang? Nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five. Wow, wow, that's awesome. I, ne I never got a chance to see Fear, but uh, yeah, that's fucking badass. Like, what what are your like favorite punk bands? My favorite punk band, hands down, is The Damned. Okay, I mean, cool. The, yeah, they're just. It's one one thing that me and Daniel McAdams have in common. It was like um, I think we both ordered the when they did the documentary a couple of years ago. Don't you wish that we were dead? We both got them delivered on like the same day, and we were like watching it at the same time and shit like that. Wait, but, so um, Daniel McAdams is into the Damned? Oh yeah, yeah, huge, huge into the Damned. He was in he was in a punk band in uh, in the eighties. Wow, you guys didn't know that. I, I didn't dude, what's with all these old school libertarians that are like OG, like in, dude, into like, yeah, this is like mind so, blowing right now. 
So was was Dan McAdams in the punk band before or after he stole Pee Wee Herman's bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> That's just we love wrong. that joke. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's hilarious. The album. No, I, I love Demick Adams. He's fucking awesome. But um, so yeah, like, so your what are your like other favorite punk bands? Well, I mean, Bad Brains. I have the I have an original um vinyl of I Against Die. It still has the SST um brochure in it. Nice. Um, I have two or three i have three different versions one is from belgium one is from england and one is from here of uh exploited let's start a war <laughs> oh badass that's like one that's one of my favorite albums of all time i just had uh, uh live at the white house on the turntable last night and uh <laughs> what a, i mean with the ramones i mean i'm from new york yeah and if you if you hung out at cbgb's and everything you know and what's great is I've become friends with Gene Epstein and his wife owns an apartment building that like, if you walk out the front door and you turn left, you see where CBGB's used to be. Um, and awesome. so I, I stay in that building every time I go up. And so I'm in that neighborhood and, um, you know, she, she like has a loft next to where, um, the artist Basquiat had, had a loft like right next door and everything and it's just such a great neighborhood and it's so punk rock there's like a blonde there's a huge blondie mural like right across the street from where i stay and everything and um yeah i mean ramones um god um any, any minor threat uh, oh yeah not, not, uh, a fan. not a fan not a minor threat guy um, so what do you have against Minor Threat? Is it the straight ads or their music just never just, really hit you? Just never really hit me. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 And by the, the time. Rut, about what? The Ruts. You ever listen to The Ruts? No. I, I Dude, I've never heard of The Ruts. What? Okay. But, but the. Um, <laughs> but then as as time went by, I, you know, I started getting into Thrash, and Thrash had a lot of. Uh, a lot of influence from punk and then as sure. thra as the 80s was wearing wearing out i started getting it like jane's addiction was like the one alternative band that like metal metal people could get into and it was like cool. yeah it's like the only one <laughs> yeah and and then after jane's addiction that's when my cure fascination started and then after that it was really getting into like Fields of the Nephilim, Sisters of Mercy kind of goth. And uh, that's what? Uh, what's your favorite Damned record? Machine Gun Etiquette. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, would be, that would be mine too. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just, it's diverse. In a, it's diverse. There's a lot of really good uh, songwriting on it. I mean, Brian James isn't on it, but I mean, Brian James is an asshole. So, um, <laughs> yeah. what kind of, but, what kind of thrash bands were you into, Pete? Uh, my favorite, my favorite thrash band will will always be Megadeth. Um, Fuck but yeah, man! Second, yeah. second is Overkill, and that's because okay, that's I another love Overkill. That's a Jersey band. I used to see them in New York all the time and everything. Oh, and then yeah. so badass. Did you ever get into like too many like hardcore like hardcore bands from New York? Like no. NYC, like into the NYC hardcore scene like, at all? Or Grill like, biscuits. I started. I started getting into like Agnostic Front later on. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and bands like that. Um, started getting into the circle. Jer I didn't get into circle jerks until much later on, 
I love the <clears throat> circle jerks. And yeah. yeah, so you know, I really the music that that stuck with me was um, you know, I'm wearing a Bauhaus shirt right now. I started getting into Bauhaus in like the '90s, and I just I, that's when I really realized I really liked post punk a lot. Was you know Bauhaus and Joy Division and. Um, you know, everything that grew out of that love and rockets. I, I saw love and rockets. I got to hang out with love and rockets and in new Orleans, which was really cool because Daniel Ash will always be one of my favorite guitar players. And, um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of music has been a huge part of my life. I don't listen to as much music as I used to listen to just because I'm so busy and everything but when i do listen to music it's usually from way back it's from back then there are okay. very there are very few bands that have come out in the last 15 years and i can name like three that i think are you know worth listening to so. how old are you pete 52 yeah like i i think everybody kind of like thinks the music that was made when they were like 16 is like the best music i don't actually think that i i am um, I listened more to the the bands that I was listening to when I was like 25. You know, like the stuff when I was 16, I could put on, I could listen to like Ride the Lightning, but I could also listen yeah. to like the Hooters, All You Zombies. So I was like, you know, I was all over the place in high school. I could listen to a bunch of different stuff and everything and enjoyed it all. Um, but as I got out of high school and I you know, picked up a guitar and I learned how to play and everything, then I started um, figuring out the kind of music that I really liked. I mean, I still like a lot of thrash and I still love to listen to punk, but I'm more, uh, if I'm sitting at home and I'm you know, in edibles and play, I'm probably more, <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably more apt to listen to like um, the cure disintegration than um, you know. Let's start a war, something like that. Yeah, so, like when you get older, you kind of mellow out. Like uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how mellow that album is. I mean, that album is actually pretty intense when you listen to it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can understand though. Yeah, I hear intensity in in things that other people don't you know stuff doesn't have to be hard and fast and um you know with brutal lyrics for me to think that it's intense um yeah, yeah. yeah. i guess like i listen to a lot of like fuck shit up music when i'm like you know doing the dishes or cleaning around the house <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can only like listen to that so much like after a while like i don't know the older i get i'm more like mellowing out especially yeah so you're more you're more Yanni nowadays, right, Alexis? <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, Yanni, uh, Michael Bolton, uh, Enya. No, who who Enya. else? Kenny <laughs> G, Kenny Cold G, play. the Four Horsemen of Fag. Wow. I've been listening to a lot of Rush lately. Oh yeah, man. Nice. Yeah. 
What was I, that I one just, concept album that Rush did? I was listening isn't it like to that. Twenty twelve like or something, or twenty twelve. One. Yeah, they did all <laughs> yeah, one that. concept. Yeah, album. Right. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. like everything from nineteen seventy six to nineteen eighty was a concept <laughs> album. <laughs> it was like uh, I forget which one it was. It was like the mid seventies album. Like, cause that's the thing. Like, I've twenty one twelve. Yeah, that was it. The yeah. one, the, like the Ayn Rand one. I, I was just listening to that the other night, and that's the thing. Like, I was like, I never really got into Rush because it's like. You hear all their like radio friendly songs. It's like, eh, okay. But then now that like you could go on uh, any music platform and stream anything and find albums, like full albums. And I find myself going back and like discovering artists. I was like, wow, like this is, why wasn't this played on the radio? Or like, why was I introduced like to this like era of Rush where like this album is amazing? You know, you're kind of just in this day and age, I find myself discovering more and more music. But I digress, but yeah, it was a wild album. That was a really good album. Yeah, the um, I, um, train to Bangkok is like amazing. The guitar playing on that's amazing. Just the way they can mimic so many different sounds from around the world on that's pretty cool. Wow, I have to check that out too. I'm just glad that you actually say you listen to music still. <laughs> you um, don't deny it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, uh, we just had Jeff Dice on last week, and we wanted to talk yeah. about being in the punk and stuff, and he let off was like, yeah, I don't listen to music anymore. <laughs> that, was kind of, oh. that was kind of odd. Okay. Like, I found that kind of <laughs> odd. Like, no matter what, no matter how busy you get or how old you get, I feel as though, like, if you grew up on music and listened to music, you're always going to, like, want to listen to music. Like, I just thought that was a little – I don't know. Like, I was, I was like, really, was dude? Like – a human need. Like, he would have yeah, mentioned, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you like, would have mentioned know, like, Motorhead, he would have he would have talked. And it's funny. He and I really. He, he and I have had that. long. He and I have had long discussions about Motorhead. That's yeah, what everyone yeah, said. We talked to him, like even afterwards. We were like, oh yeah. So people were like, oh, you should have talked about Megadeth. You should have talked about Motorhead. And we're like, we keep brought it up but he said he didn't listen to it he said he hadn't listened to music in years <laughs> think it was yeah see i was like, like oh, okay. i don't know i think maybe we didn't press him on that like we didn't press him on that like we just kind of let it let it ride so, yeah <laughs> still a great podcast still great Jeff. no it was a good one yeah, yeah for sure yeah he's a good guy i mean he's he, he's one of the better and more original thinkers out there right now Oh yeah, yeah. If we would have talked like uh, Megadeth or uh, talked some Motorhead, that would have been awesome. Like, oh yeah, he's he, he's a huge Motorhead fan. He 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 loves Lemmy. He misses Lemmy. Fuck, yeah, like, I know, right? The, the chase better than the catch. Such a great song. I know. Like I remember, <laughs> I saw Motorhead with Dio and Iron Maiden when with I was in high Dio? school. What the fuck? Wow. In high school, Phil? It was the best show ever. And I'm like, was it with your dad? Yeah, I was in high school. It was like two hours. Uncle Rico. Do you want to know the first show I ever saw Motorhead at? What's that? Slayer Motorhead and Overkill. Oh, damn. Oh, my God. That was badass. South of Heaven Tour. South of Heaven Tour for Motorhead, uh, for um, Slayer, Orgasmatron for Motorhead. Oh wow, wow, dude! A little bit yeah, before was, my time, I'd say. That was. Did we go around the horn? Best show we've ever been to. Oh, oh shit! I don't it? know, dude. What's the best show you've been to? I would say for me, it was uh, probably Di. 
Like it was around about year two thousand. Right, yeah. Um. What about uh, you, Alex? <laughs> yeah. Um. Now that I'm like thinking back, like uh, overall, the best show, it was probably Converge, Mastodon, and and Slayer. Mm. But um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I think like now that I'm thinking like the like single artist like that I was glad that I actually got to see and like Pete I don't know I was going to ask you about it like and, and Phil we've talked about it like one of the probably most like underrated hardcore bands coming out of like New York was like Leeway and I saw oh, Leeway, I Leeway when I was yeah I saw Leeway when I was stationed over in London and they were like just did a one-off show and I was like holy shit I was so stoked to find, like to see them it was like I don't know 2006 maybe but that was yeah. that was yeah that was awesome because they're like a good crossover New York hardcore band, like a really good. Did you ever get into them, Pete? No. No. Okay. Yeah, check them out. They're pretty dope. Wait. Yeah, but I like my okay. So like obviously the Iron Iron Maiden show I went to was one of the best I went to. But one of my I went to was uh, Stillborn Fest. Uh, have you, you guys, you know, uh, Hatebreed is a Stillburn, was their record label, and they it was at Stillburn Fest in 2003. It was at the 930 Club in D.C., and it was Hatebreed, Sick of It All, Madball, Agnostic Front, oh, damn. and Zero, Stretch Armstrong with Honor. Yeah, it was the most crazy show I've been to, and, like, Hatebreed played for, like, two straight hours. It was insane. They played literally every song they had up until that point. It was pretty, it was, that was, definitely has to be one of my favorite shows. That's a really good venue too, nine thirty club. That's a good venue. I guess. I mean, yeah, like, don't play anymore. I fucking, good I fucking hate driving to DC. Oh no, dude, definitely. Like, I hate driving right. down to it's DC, but I like nine thirty. Um, I hate. But Echo I mean, stage, it's a, as far as just a venue itself, yeah. Echo stage sucks. Matt, you don't drive anywhere, to be frank. I mean, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got to leave his house. This this quarantine yeah, you know, favorite you, thing. Are y'all familiar with the legend? I say, Pete, of... you live in. You... Uh, hold on, Pete. You were saying something. Are y'all oh, yeah, familiar sorry. with the legend of the Cameo Theater in Miami? No. Mm. Yeah, no, I've never been it to was, Miami. It was. It, they're closed now, but yeah, back then it was referred to as the Slamio, and it got to the point where they had to remove like the first five or six rows so that people could people could slam. But I mean, I've seen. I saw I saw Celtic Frost there. Um oh, shit. Saw Megadeth and Anthrax play oh, at the damn, same Anthrax? show. Yeah. Um, so fucking cool. They, I mean, everyone played there. I mean, I saw a friggin' Peter Murphy play there. Uh, Peter Mur- and Jewel was opening for him at the time. <laughs> um, I saw Nightser Ebb played there. I, I mean, everyone everyone who could possibly you could think of every punk show would be would be there or at churchill's you know the legend of churchill's in uh in miami nah, churchill's man, i don't like, know at all oh it's like the it's the punk heaven i mean that's where every punk band would play and every local punk band would want to play um it's hard for me to say what the, the best show i've ever been to um i was at a really infamous show of um, Metallica opening for Ozzy at the Brendan Byrne Arena in um, in Jersey, and it was wow. when Metallica was on stage, people started ripping up the seats and burning them. 
And (laughs) that, like, bands at that up until that point hadn't really had to take out big insurance policies to play, and that changed everything. Uh, That that show made it ridiculous. I saw the Monsters of Rock show, which was Van Halen, Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica, Metallica, and Kingdom Come. Wow, that was that was at uh, Miami Arena in in Miami, and that was pretty. That was a crazy show, but I I really think that that Slayer, Motorhead, and Overkill show was probably the best thing I ever saw. It was like it was one of those shows where we we were smoking the whole time, and it was so intense that after like two songs, you'd be like, "I'm sober. What the fuck just happened?" You know, it. <laughs> how, how long did uh? How long did Slayer play, Pete? Like, how long was their set? It's probably like an hour and twenty-five minutes or an hour and a half because they're on. They were on South of Heaven at that point, so okay. they were they were playing, you know, most of South of Heaven, most of Rain and Blood. Um, they played Haunting the Chapel, which was amazing because I didn't think there was any way they were going to play that. Um, they played a couple songs off of Hell Hell Awaits and like two songs off of uh, Show No Mercy. So okay. that that was a cool show but um and motorhead that's was great thing, like that i was... remember like that's the one thing i remember when i saw them like they probably played for like an hour and 45 to almost two hours and it was just like non-fucking-stop and it was just so it was just so overwhelming it was just so fucking intense it was just like you said like holy shit i'm sober now you know like <laughs> Well, it's just the great thing about that show too was it was the last show of the tour. So like um, when Slayer went all out, yeah, when Slayer was playing behind the Crooked Cross, Lemmy came out goose stepping in a Hitler mask oh my <laughs> across god. the stage. Jesus oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty whacked. Man. That was that was a great show, man. That was when Slayer was when the albums didn't all sound the same <laughs> yeah yeah after that's pretty much what it turned into later into the 90s and into the 2000s and everything but um so you yeah. were you were in miami for a while right like in the late 80s yeah. i think it yeah yeah there was a there was a lot of and there was a lot of yeah, good shows cool. i saw i saw metallica and queensrike and queensrike was on the operation mind crime tour that was that wow. was actually a really good show. They came out and, and like started with Queen of the Reich, and yeah, yes, so that just like set the tone. Yeah, I was never really a big Queen's Reich fan, but yeah, I, it's funny because like I listen. There's um MTV like classics or something like that. There's a they have a um a heavy metal show that comes out it's a Friday night at like it's like five hours of a block. It comes on and they play nothing but like old school metal bands like Dio, Iron Maiden, like even like some terrible bands uh, like Dokken and uh, like just it's pretty crazy. I watch it with my I watch it with my kids and it's so funny like those Slayer overkill like there's Metallica videos and I just watch it and like it's so it's so fun. Like it's just it brings me back to like like in high school like listening to these old metal thrash bands and shit. Oh, when I was in high school, um, I saw docking open for twisted sister at radio city music hall and that was a really good show i mean they twisted sister went all out on that show i mean the the stage looked like a a slum with burnt out cars and stuff like that it was nuts um but the year before (laughs) that 
the year before that, I saw Maiden there on the Power Slave tour, and they did eight nights in a row. Oh, at Radio City Musical, eight nights in a row. Yeah, and holy shit! Then when they came back for the Somewhere in Time tour, I saw them in Florida, and Ingve Malmsteen opened for them. Wow, <laughs> what? So, Jared, yeah. besides your bar mitzvah, what was the best show you've ever been to? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one, man. It's hard to rank. Um, I mean, I know some of my favorite shows were going to see this uh, smaller, like, metalcore band um, in my mid-20s uh, called uh, Protest the Hero. Um, and those shows were just fucking awesome because I would see them at, like, small venues like Auto Bar, like... Um, this, uh, where did I see him up in Pittsburgh? Did, did your voice just do the Peter Brady thing again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, your mom bit my dick. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's my answer. It's, it's hard to say. I've seen a lot of different shit, but those were some of my favorite shows for sure. Did you go to the saw- show... Uh- didn't you go to the Metallica show when they played in Baltimore at M&T? Oh, yeah. I got free tickets to that. That was fucking awesome, though. <laughs> I don't know if it was, was my it favorite though? show. Like, was it, it, though? I mean, in all honesty, like, was it like, no, was I, it, like that good? I mean, I had an awesome time. It was good, yeah. For free tickets? Like, I, I, for free, yeah. I, would, it, I would definitely go for free tickets to see yeah. Metallica. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, like, you got free tickets, but, like, so many people were paying high dollar. I'm like, I mean, no, I wouldn't pay no, high dollar. Had, I never that's had brutal. the opportunity to see Metallica, but I don't want to see them now. Like, I was like, and yeah, fuck I don't that. know. I think, Phil, we debated that. Like, I think after, like, basically after Injustice, like, forget about it. Like, they're yeah. dead. Even Injustice, and where the I hell's the base? Where the hell's yeah. the bass in that album? Right. Well, that, yeah, that was all because too. of Lars Ulrich, actually. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So absolutely. I think I think like Injustice, like, but then when you actually think about it, it's like, all right, no, Masters of Puppet, after Cliff Burton, Metallica, forget about it. You know yeah, what I mean? Pretty much. And it's yeah. like it's like I don't wanna see like I don't wanna pay a high dollar to go see them playing like some arena rock bullshit in their like <laughs> when these guys are geriatric. You know what I mean? Like No, I mean, like, dude, eh. I I've I've seen my favorite shows for under 10 bucks. What's that? I've seen my favorite shows for under 10 bucks. Why the fuck am I going to pay like hundreds of dollars to see Metallica? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, Uh, I think like one of the best shows, like, uh, remember that, fuck, uh, with uh, Tim and uh, Matt and then uh, and me, we went to, uh, what was it, Sidebar and saw fucking Wisdom and Chains. That was a dope show. Yeah. That was like, and Matt, that was like your first time, and like it was like Tim. Tim was down visiting from Philly, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we got we got tickets. We're gonna go." And uh, he's like, "Alex knows about him. Like he knows, like." And that was your first time, like ever going to the show, and like with ever first, like, ever seeing two, Wisdom and Chains. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. within like the first like two or three songs, Matt's like, "Fuck yeah!" Like yeah, it's fucking awesome. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they were like they were like the kind of band where like if you see them, it's like. You know, you hear the first chorus and it's awesome. By the second chorus, you're singing along. It, it was that's how yeah. like catchy yep. the it was as far as like hardcore goes. Yeah, like good I, good sing alongs. I was kind of happy to see Nirvana like before he died. You know, like oh, eight God months damn, before he awesome. died. <laughs> uh, that was in Miami. Eight months before he died. 
Yeah, um, I saw him in uh, September of '93 in in Miami. They're playing at um, the Amphitheater in Miami, and wow. the Breeders the Breeders opened up for the Breeders, them. Wow. Yeah, the um, I was trying to think. I, I mean, I've seen so many like insanely good shows. I went to there was a tour in. 1991 that was called the tune in uh the tune in turnout burnout uh, tune in burnout tour and it was public enemy sisters of mercy warrior soul um x and it was that that was a nuts show because there was so much going on there and i saw the first lollapalooza you know, Jane's Addiction, Ice-T, wow. and all, you know, that was, I saw that in Orlando. That was, uh, that was a pretty crazy show. Yeah, that's the old, that's the farthest I've gone to see a show. I, I drove up in 2008 by myself up to... Oh, Brooklyn. is that when you went to go see Samwell? <laughs> no, I went and saw, I, I saw Body Count play with No Redeeming Social Value in Brooklyn. at some club, like some small-ass club in Brooklyn in 2008. And um, yeah, I, I drove all the way up just to see Body Count, and I drove all the way back that night. Well, wow, how many people? <laughs> how many people do you think were in that club? Probably, I would say less than a hundred. No uh, way! Wow, shit! It was yes. It was the top of. I, I wish I could remember the venue was called, but it's somewhere in Brooklyn. I have no. I have no file on New York City. Like I've only been there like two times, and once as an adult, and that's why I drove up just to go see Body Count, and that's the farthest I've driven, just because like. I was obsessed. Like this is probably one of my favorite bands. So it was it was fucking awesome. Do you remember DOA? Yeah. Yeah, I saw DOA at Irving Plaza in New York when I was in high school. That was a really good show. Oh shit. Oh my god, that was so badass. Like it, it's, that's like it's the you know it's, like it, heart, man. Like Oh yeah, they were nuts, man. They were from Canada and they were like they would tour like yeah. fifty fifty six weeks a year. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. The stories um, about their <laughs> touring, it was just, it was nuts. And, uh, you know, I got to meet them and everything. And it was really cool. That was a, that was a fun show. Irving Plaza was always a lot of fun to go to. So uh, um, yeah. I saw, I saw Cro-Mags at Irving Plaza and friggin' Harley oh. trying to beat the shit out of somebody. You know? so, oh my God, that's so awesome. So uh, I love Pete, Pete, what do you think is like the best DOA album if like, for somebody who's never gotten into DOA, I don't remember. That's so long ago. I haven't listened to DOA in so long. I can't remember the names of their albums. Hardcore like, eighty one, man. Like, dude, I remember I picked up like an, an EP of theirs in like the budget bin at some CD store in the nineties, and it was like <laughs> it was they were they were covering uh "It's Not Unusual." With the, you know, <laughs> remember that song? That's not yeah. Yeah. Tom, wait, Tom Jones. Yeah, they were yeah, covering, yeah, they were covering yeah. Tom, yes, Jones. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Yeah, Jones. What? And I mean, I thought it was, it was kind of funny. I listened to it a couple times, but uh, I always wanted to like pick up like one of their like classic records or whatever. But I haven't gotten around to it. I just thought of another show that um, and a band that I really like was um, I saw Prong open up for White Zombie. And oh wow! What's funny is when I went to see um, Love and Rockets in New Orleans, Tommy Victor from Prong was hanging out with them. So we got to hang out with that. I could do like a whole bunch of name dropping right now, and I just don't want to be a total dick. No, do it, do it, name drop, bro, do it. Dude, you're, I you're love making, name drop. You're making Phil's cock hard. 
All right, well, I'm just happy someone's. <laughs> I'm just happy someone's actually talking about punk for once. The bass player. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seriously, like um, I what? think from this point on, Matt, like if anybody's like, oh, what's so fucking punk about this libertarian website? We could just refer to this. Uh, <laughs> That's my guess. Podcast yeah, he, like, he, you don't understand how much like, people give a shit for not talking about punk as much as yeah, libertarianism like, what, in our like, group. Probably what forty fucking minutes. Uh, a bunch of libertarians have just been talking talking like, about music like just music talking like, right? about <laughs> music and just fucking vibing you know what I mean right, well, so this, anybody's this... like oh, what's so punk about this libertarian site <laughs> refer to episode right fucking now like <laughs> <laughs> well this this, this this episode right there now. aren't a lot of there's not a lot of punk in this in, in this story but um my bass player in my band was roommates for five years with Jordy White. If you know who Jordy White is, his name is Twiggy Ramirez. And yeah, Twiggy. Yeah. So, like I said, I lived in South Florida for a long time. So I oh, also, shit. you know, knew, and this was when everything was happening in the early 90s. And um, so, yeah, I know Brian Hugh Warner, and they, of course, no Trent. They got signed because of Trent Reznor. Well, that was going to to see Love mm-hmm. and Rockets in in New Orleans was also hanging out at Trent Reznor's house studio in New Orleans, and that's why Love and Rockets was there, and that's how I got to hang out with them. But Tommy Victor was also there, and um, I ended up not even. I mean, I hung out with Daniel Ash for a while, but I ended up like hanging out with Tommy Victor from Prong like most of the night. And just getting hammered, blackout drunk <laughs> with him, just you know talking shit and everything. What? So no, white girl wasted. What white girl wasted? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it it was um it it was bad. But um yeah, Tommy from Prong, and I mean he's played you know since he's played with Danzig. He's played yeah Danzig was probably that's what I know him from. Yeah, but Prong was a, a huge influence on my guitar playing because they just his riffs are remarkable i mean when you when you listen to like lost and found but then when you get into um snap your finger snap your neck where he he almost progressed to being more industrial um yeah and i mean did you know him when you were in new just, york or no. did you know them only when they're in florida no because prong really i moved to florida in 86 and prong really oh, didn't okay. start People really yeah. didn't start knowing who Prong was to like 89, 90. I was going to say, like almost early 90s, yeah. Yeah, so, but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, music has been like a huge, uh, did y'all ever hear of a band called Jack Off Jill? I've definitely heard of that band. They yeah. were an all-girl all punk band, Um, and yeah, I mean, I know everybody in that band. I've known everybody in that band for years, and they were one of one of the best live bands I've ever seen. I, their their live shows were legendary. Okay, and, um, like, did they have an album that you would recommend? Um, what was the first no. album that they put out? <sighs> if you don't know at the top of your head, I'll just look it up later. I'll look it up yeah. on Discogs. The first album. Um, yeah, like I'm interested in finding some new new music, man. <laughs> I'm yeah, trying think, to figure yeah. out. Cause they were like early, they were like like later '90s band. Did you say? Well, no, they, I mean, they started in 92. 
because they were they were Marilyn Manson. Um, Jessica was friends with Brian from Manson, so that's how they got um, that's how they got their start, really. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, they're um, like if you if you can find like EP the old EPs for like My Cat and Swollen, I mean that's like where they're really. If you can find their their um, forty fives, <laughs> that's where the good music is. When they finally did get a chance to record an album, it was sort of it was cleaned up a lot, and it didn't it really didn't have the same live effect. But um, yeah, they were pretty cool. And Jessica, she just had a great voice and had a great sound. Nice, a fucking dope. So Phil, what is what is your take on uh, coronavirus? So the, it's I, I've been Me? I'm no uh, I'm sorry not Phil. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we don't sorry. care about what Phil thinks. Yeah, I know. Fuck, like, yeah, fuck Phil. What I think. No, Pete. <laughs> so what is your take on coronavirus? Do, do you like think? Do you think this is being like blown up way more than it should be? I think it's a bioweapon that really fucks up a lot of people. Yes. Um, so you're you're saying you think this is man-made? Yeah, I think I think it's escaped from the Wuhan, the Wuhan laboratory there, which is a new laboratory, actually. But that's what most people don't know is the laboratory was just built recently and it has new employees. Now, I don't believe I have. I don't I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, oh, they released it on purpose. I mean, I live five miles from the CDC. Shit walks out of the CDC all the time. People just don't hear about it. Um, I think it was someone just made a fucking mistake and and brought that shit out and started spreading it. And I think I was really skeptical about it until I read that the way it attacks the lungs is that it attacks both lungs. And that's not normal for any kind of virus. Um, they usually go after one lung. And so this is this is an odd thing. Also, the fact that it makes people lose sense of smell and taste, that's just really weird for something that evolved in nature. It sounds like, like a nerve it's, agent. Yeah, it sounds like it's something more designed. Um, but it's it's really odd. Um, I'm I'm almost 100 percent sure that I've had it um, and it doesn't really scare me. But, you know, I also don't have any lung problems and I don't have any autoimmune problems. But um, I know people I know of people who, you know, had it and it really fucked them up. Mm. And it's have uh, you uh, have you connected the dots with that Harvard professor that um, who was just recently um, he was tried and convicted and he was working in that laboratory, that Harvard professor he was working in that laboratory in Wuhan. There was like also that, you know, that this could be maybe, uh, is that the one who allegedly had like 50 different samples of DNA or something when they arrested um, him? I think I'd have to get in the docs, maybe Phil or Jared. <laughs> you think it balls deep in the dude, you, you <laughs> your own docs, dude. I'm staying out of it. I'm, I'm, I'm out here in my truck. I can't access the docs. All right. Yeah. I'm just a I mean, man I... in my truck. <laughs> With George Washington. But I, I heard. Go ahead, Pete. No, but I... Every, anyway, everything sorry. I've heard is that um, the hydrochloroquine with um, 
zinc or you know, with a Z pack or something is doing really good work on you know, curing it and, you know, bringing people, bring, bringing people right. back from it. Uh, the people that do get sick now, Iceland, I don't know if you've heard about Iceland recently, Iceland has gotten to the point where they've tested a lot of people. I mean, well, you know, there's only 300,000 residents on the Island. Right. So, but 50% of the ones they tested that tested positive were asymptomatic. Hmm. That's just really wow. odd. I mean, that Very that's odd. just really weird that it almost seems, yeah. You know, and then you have to ask questions like, how come it hasn't hit India yet? And I mean, they, they're so close to China. The other uh, thing too, like, look how, look at Korea, like South Korea, the fact that they were like at ground zero and it they're they're having baseball season right now well like, they're starting they, their spring training right now up. they were like they started that? using hydrochloroquine in february yep. exactly yep. and yep. and they started like testing they tested everybody they uh quarantined and pre- like basically did preventive measures and then the fact that they have such a free market healthcare system and such easy access to healthcare over there the fact that they're, they're literally about to have baseball season start in south korea and we're still like freaking the fuck out over here, you know. The well, fact let's, that like, yeah. And let's face it. This is, I mean, you can believe that this is a really bad virus, and that the government is doing really tyrannical shit at the same time. Exactly. You, exactly. Yeah. Fucking yeah, exactly. You, it's, and yeah. they are. I mean, I've, I've only done one episode out of my last eight that I didn't talk about this. And it's only because it was an Same. episode I've been sitting on for like a month and a half, two months. And the episode that I have coming out on Friday is going to be about it again. And, um, and then finally, I'm going to do an episode on Monday on what I think is the only way we're going to be able to defeat this, but not, not the, uh, the disease, but the tyranny. I, I think that this is yeah, I was talking. Do you do you guys know who Richard Grove is? Yeah, I've heard him on your show. That's why I've heard yeah. of Richard Grove. Tragedyandhope.com. Um, mm-hmm. Brilliant dude. And I talked to him today, and he knows more. Uh, I'm going to release this episode on Friday. He knows more about this than anyone that I've talked to. Um, we went over Event 201, which was the October, um, September. What they did was they did they ran a simulation of what would happen if a coronavirus got released into the world. And they they did this in September of last year. And it was completely different. It started in South America and then it started spreading. But when you look at the reaction that they simulated to what the governments are doing, um, especially Western governments, you can just see that this is this has gone from a pandemic to a plandemic where they're planning to change our lives forever. I mean, I do not think that we're ever going to be the same again. I, I think that what kind of we're going do you to think we're going to say. I think that a lot of the culture is going to become very Asian in that I think people are going to continue to wear masks from now on. Hmm. Um, I think that. What China is doing right now, which uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. showed on that video from the British gentleman, where you may have to 
have people take your temperature in order to go to enter certain places um in china right now they have to take your temperature before there you look into a what looks like a tablet and it takes your temperature and if your temperature doesn't come out right you're not allowed to leave your house um i think a lot of this is coming i don't see 30 million people 40 million people being unemployed um a destruction of wealth again and just how they've scared everybody and how people have turned into like i'm going to turn in my neighbor if my neighbor is gardening i don't i don't see how the united states or the west is ever going to be the same again i mean i think that if you travel especially out of the country you're probably going to have to uh present immunization papers say you know i have all these shots everything i mean i just don't see it i don't see them going in three weeks being like okay the curve's flattened out everything's fine everybody everything goes back to normal i I just don't yeah I don't yeah. see that happening. And, and you know, and, and you, I was um I said in January, I was on Dave Smith's show in January when we were talking about individual liberty, and I said, Well, what would happen if it what do you think would happen if another 9-11 happened tomorrow? And another 9-11 happened, but it's ten times worse. Yeah. And and I was talking to Richard Grove, and Richard Grove is, you know, he believes that there is a hell of a lot more to 9-11 than what we're taught and you know he's researched it for years and he can go into it and i asked him today i said this is worse than 911 by by like 10 times right he's like people don't realize yeah. that yet he goes this is way worse than 911 things things are going to change forever i mean so much so so much so that i'm like totally changed my paradigm on um a lot of you know I'm not, I'm no longer going to be politically active. I don't have, I'm not going to have anything to do with the LP anymore. If people want to fine, good luck to you. There is no political, you know, to quote staying, there's no political solution for this. Um, it is, this is done. I mean, we're going to have to figure out a way to subvert the government from here on out. It, so are just, you advising against, political action within in the LP because it's just fruitless. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, I just don't see how it's going to be. I, I don't see, I mean, if the Republicans, there's going to be one Republican that is going to fight back against this. Maybe, maybe two, no Democrats going to fight back against this. So yeah. like Tom Massey, so, Rand Paul. So, yeah. So what the mom, hell, that's so what the hell is the fucking gelded LP going to be able to accomplish? I mean, maybe, maybe you know education but i mean still you you need to be taking individual action right now to just you need to be setting your life up Time to, to try to, to combat this yeah, yeah <laughs> you, you need to do things to i mean i'm i'm going to be talking with a friend of mine who um is a little more schooled on way to ways to take action to subvert the state and everything but do you, i don't do you have see... any examples like right now. Oh, I would say agorism. Okay. I would say I, I would say just embrace yeah. agorism, one hundred percent. Sure. And I mean, I think that's the only possible way to fight this going forward. Yeah, man. 
I, I, you know, I agree with you to a certain extent. Like, I think there is a role still for the LP. I'm, I'm the Maryland coordinator for the Mises Caucus, and I still think there is a role for the LP to, you know, to somehow just be the last people, like, on, like, just, if you could just be the last people that are saying, hey, look, there's another way besides this behemoth, mammoth, massive government apparatus that's destroying all of your freedoms. Like, there's another way. And I think, if we look at the Ron Paul revolution, it was started by a campaign for running for president, you know, and I think. Yeah. On the Republican I, ticket right, on a Republican yeah. stage. You're right. Exactly. And they're I not going to let a libertarian anywhere near a stage. No. And I, 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 I've accepted that, but you know, I still think that there's room for a political option, but I think it's an all encompassing. I think it, you, with the agorism, I, I think it's absolutely right. You need to start like, like I know in my own household, my kids see it every day. They see yeah. me subverting the state every single day. And I think it's with education and teaching the new generation. I have three kids and, and you know, maybe to a fault, they know more. They're always like, oh, daddy's talking about government again. Like, oh, government's the bad thing. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I try not to be like indoctrinating them, but it's like I have to fight, you know, other indoctrinations. Against, so it's like, yeah. I can't help. I just can't help myself, you know. I have to like keep telling. Well, yeah, them I mean, stuff. how much how much are they getting at school already? You know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so bad enough. Like I, I'm, I feel like I've already failed them enough. The fact that they're in government schooling, and you know, we're working hard to get them out of it, and especially this time, this this whole period with the coronavirus. I know recently they just shut down Georgia, where you're at, but up here, you know, we've been at it for a few weeks, and it's been the best time ever. Having all this time with my kids and. Uh, just being able to teach them my own way and teach them like just it, it's great like I don't understand like why homeschooling everyone's like people and my friends or friends are like commenting on Facebook like oh god like I'm so miserable having my kids here they're driving me crazy like I absolutely love it I love the fact that my kids are home and they're not in these camps you know where they're being taught you know worship the flag and all sorts of other bullshit and you know and I, I feel like I already failed them enough so I feel like I'm getting a second chance and Eventually, you know, we're working to, you know, financially, we're trying to get them out. And I, I would, I think there's also, there's a multi-tiered, like back to what we were saying before, I feel like there's like a multi-tiered way of advancing the ideas of liberty. And I think that's through the LP, agorism, you know, uh, just uh, homeschooling, unschooling, like we got it. It's not going to be, a, it's, yeah. if we know anything we've learned from the progressives is that it's, you know, it's going to take some time. And eventually, if the it state does collapse on itself, what's that? Yeah, it takes but a village. That's, but that's December. Yeah, right. But but to me, that's December 2019 thinking. This is April 2020 thinking. And the world has fund the world has fundamentally yeah. changed. To your point, Pete, and then also exactly where Phil's coming from, I mean... I, both of us, uh, and even Jared as well, we, we were elected as delegates to go to the, the convention in Austin. Me too. For the Maryland LP. And um, nice. I'm, I'm, How's that I'm working hardcore. Out I'm not <laughs> going. Exactly. I'm hardcore meeting. Of course, yeah. It's not going to happen. I'm yeah, 100% Pete, man. a Hornberger, but I guess what I'm getting at is just like what, what you're talking about and what Phil's talking about. The whole thing is like, yes, the whole reason we wanted to go down there is to network, to grow the message and get it out there. But now, like you said, Pete, things have fundamentally changed and everything we were going to go to Austin to basically to further the Liberty network. I think things have changed. And even just on this podcast alone, like the fact that we're zooming in people that the fact we're reaching out, 
uh, via the, the interwebs and, and through like, you know, back channels. Um, I think it's time for agorism. <laughs> it's time to like, just fucking fuck the system. We free right. thinkers need to like re like recalculate things right now. And we need to work amongst, like we need to get together and we need to create networks. We need to create, um, you know, you're speaking my language, man. You're speaking my language. And and, and right behind me, you know what I mean? It's time to like, we're, we're in the midst of, of, I think a paradigm shift and it's fucking like, this is like revolution 2.0 that we're going through on like so many fucking levels. And it's fucking time that like we start, I'm like, it's time. And, and this time off is really, Help me to realize and look at things and realize, like, all right, it, it's time. It's time to start. Like, they're, the powers that be are trying to eliminate any threat to what's coming down oh, the pipe. Absolutely. And I think that a full-tiered assault is the only chance we have to just to be – I just don't want to go down without a swinging. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what my – like, I'm in the, I'm involved in the LP. I, like, my, like, my wife watches other kids and, you know, and – you know, and it's we don't go through the state. You know, I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't get. You know, like we, we, we you know, it, it's. I, I wish it was, I could explain it better, but it's just like my kids need to see that the state's not the option, the end all, be all, and and I think this time off is really waking me up to the fact that yes, you're right. Like that, we need to subvert the state as much as possible, but at the same time, like you know what, most people don't. They don't like like Jeff Dice got shit in that uh, in that speech he said where he's like blood and soil you know where he said he's like that matters to people and like the same thing is the state still matters to all these people that are calling the police and and shitting on like oh my god kids are playing on a basketball who you know they're playing basketball right now you know they're not social distancing or whatever dude like, I heard Kyle's already reported three people. neighbors dude <laughs> <laughs> and he, he invited and he invited the CDC in for coffee. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, um, yeah. hey, hey, guys, we're about out of time on here. Uh, Pete, yeah. I want to I want to thank you so much for coming on, dude. It has been uh, so much fun, and we'd love to have you back on again if you could find the time. Of course. Yeah. I mean, just dude. let me know. Let me know a little bit ahead of time. Oh, of course. We yeah. won't have much more music to talk about. <laughs> oh no, sure. Do oh, we no, 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 we music to talk like, about? We just dude. scratch the surface on music. I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not remember. I'm not remembering like 75 percent of the shows I've ever been to, too. So. Uh, I'm right there like with you, man. Like a dedicated, like cashless on music. That's basically what this was. <laughs> I mean, right? So no, Pete, why yeah. don't you give all your plugs, man? Yeah, uh, free, free man. Free man beyond the wall podcast. Uh, I'm the managing editor over at Libertarian Institute. That's uh site that Scott Horton started with Sheldon Richmond and the late great Will Grigg. And yeah, I mean, you'll find me, my name on Twitter and on Facebook and yeah, man, I just, uh, it's, this is a rough one. This is a rough one, man. This is, uh, this is a time when people really need to start thinking about what their strategy is for the future. Because I think it's been proven pretty. It was just a fly crawling on me. I'm sorry. Um, I think it's I'm like, what the hell just happened? Um, I, I, I think it's, 
if we've learned if we haven't learned anything in the last month i mean what we've learned in the last month is that sorry i've drank scotch today already and uh but um <laughs> if we've learned if we've learned anything is that people love their chains and all they need to do is be scared right. a little bit and they're going to beg for it and i just i i I do not see one political solution to this. So, you know, I'm taking a different road. And um, if anybody wants to contact me and try to strategize about it, I'm going to be talking to people who've been agorists for years and decades. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're just going to put together plans and see where it goes from there. Sounds cool. awesome. Pete, Pete, if you're, uh, are you going to, uh, if the LP convention happens, are you still going to go to Childerberg? <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Aww. And I'm yeah, not so going to, I'm not going to go because, um, <laughs> there's just, I don't, I would love to go to Childerberg. Nothing. I mean, I, I want to meet Carr. I've hung out with Bird, you know, three I or know, four I've times. Seen it. They're good friends yeah. of our podcast. So that's why I yeah. asked. And um, but I haven't I haven't hung out with Carr yet. But um, yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this time because um, yeah, I know. But um, it I'm sure there'll be a Childerberg trace, and um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens when the coronavirus comes back in the winter next winter. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take it on over to after hours. Um, Pete, if you want to stay and uh, talk with us some more, you're welcome to. If you got to okay. go, that, that's up to you. Um, either way, you're, you're welcome to come. All right, um, a few minutes, yeah. Cool, yeah. That's what she and, said. Uh, <laughs> 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 now, uh, Phil, dude, weren't you going to tell us a little bit about uh, the conversations uh, about yeah, freedom com- podcast? Conversation about freedom podcast, man. Check it out. Um, I know he was just on, we talked about this a lot, man. Um, but he was just on Johnny Adams podcast, uh, blast off and, um, check him out. Moral Bob, he's everywhere. I know Pete, I know he's good friends with you too. Um, so anyone go check out conversations about freedom. I know he's on Spotify. I don't know if he's on iTunes or I, or Apple podcast yet, but, uh, hopefully he's getting there soon. But, um, either way, go check out Moral Bob on Facebook and, uh, give yeah. him a like and, uh, go check him out. Do you have Moral Bob's grinder handle? <laughs> not. It's called Oral Bob. Oral Bob. That's not nice. Dude, it was just a, it was just a joke, man. It was just a joke. Hey, if you want to advertise on PRL, you gotta be you gotta be ready for that shit. Dude, dude. Anyways, so uh, also we have T-shirts over at uh, libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you'll receive a ten percent discount. Until next time, live free or die.
non-aggression principle, the violence of the state becomes obsolete!